This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Now, it's a topic that we touch on often here on Fight Back, and CARP believes it should be an election issue. I'm talking about help for caregivers. Now, more than 8 million Canadians are informal caregivers to family and friends. More than a million of them are themselves over 65, and they save our health system $25 billion a year. And CARF's chief, pol- CARF's chief policy officer, Marissa Lennox, says those numbers should add up to an election issue. Mm-hmm. And Marissa joins me now along with caregivers mm-hmm. Sal Amenta and Karen Lead. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Okay. Uh, Speak into the microphone, please. Um, Marissa, why did you decide to launch this campaign? You know, it wasn't too long ago that we saw that release from Stats Canada that said one in four people over 30 are caregivers. And then we started to hear from more and more of our members about some of the struggles that they have to deal with on a daily basis, everything from financial struggles to actually physical and emotional struggles just by being a caregiver. Now, we know that the numbers are some 8 million people that are unpaid. I mean, these are people that some some of them are working. Some of them have had to quit their jobs in order to care for a loved one. They save the system, as you said, $25 billion by some estimates, one estimate coming out of the University of Alberta, Janet Fast, $66 billion. So we know they save the health system a lot of money, and we know that supports for caregivers are woefully inadequate. I've not heard from one of the leading candidates in this election about what they're going to do to support these individuals. So we're calling on everyone to say what they're going to do. Okay, well, and it's interesting that just this morning, Justin Trudeau on the campaign trail uh, announced some extra money for people who are caring for small children. Mm-hmm. And he's going to beef up daycare spaces. And he announced another 250,000 spots, uh, for, um, for after school and before school programs. So far, nothing for caregivers. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is probably a good time to do it because we, we just did our Zoomer vote poll and it shows that uh, Zoomers are in a different space than the rest of the population mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. of now. Salamenta, you're a caregiver. And um, tell me about your life. This is a full-time thing for you, right? Yes. I started caregiving 35 years ago with our son, who had disabilities. And so we were advocating for him in the school system. And I now can tell you that advocating for children is a lot sexier than advocating for elderly people. And the kinds of life that many of us as caregivers have, when we're looking after our aging parents and even our aging children, there are many advocates like me who have 40-year-olds with a disability living at home with them, worrying day and night about what's going to happen to them when they kick the bucket. So it's not a very pleasant life. Uh, The worst of it is that you're absolutely powerless and hopeless to deal with the really difficult existential issues. Somebody's dying or terminally ill, 
and there's nothing you or I or government can do really and truly to help them weather that storm. You've got to live through it and hope, hopefully survive. But there's a lot that we can do to make their lives easier, mm-hmm. and we're not doing it. Karen, what's your situation? Um, uh, my mom was diagnosed at the age of 57, and I recently had a newborn. So she actually, at the time, my parents were living in Trinidad. So she came up to help me because she was a registered nurse. And um, I just noticed um, there were a lot of inconsistencies with her helping me. And I said, okay, let's go to the doctor because maybe I thought it was menopause. Um, and then uh, the doctor gave her a mini mental exam and said, uh, she has Alzheimer's and your oh life is going to change. Mm-hmm. That's early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah. So these things are very, very difficult on just about every level. But what you're asking for, I think, is is pretty modest. Mm, oh, yeah. So right now, the government, this government, uh, you know, their first campaign, they promised, and, and they did improve things a little for caregivers where there is a refundable tax credit. But if you're a full-time caregiver and you don't earn income, it doesn't help you. So So the ask is make it a refundable tax credit just to put a little bit of cash in your pocket. How would that help you, Sal? It, it wouldn't help me very much because we do have savings and we're able to cope. However, I think that there are many people out there who are using up their savings in order to accommodate their elderly parents in, in homes for the elderly. And uh, it disappears rather quickly. And when you're staying at home to look after your elderly parents, as I did, I quit my job so that I could look after my father and mother, who were both terminally ill or very near death. Um, There's nothing that you can really do at that point other than perhaps assist them with saving for CPP, making a contribution for them so that since they left the job and are not contributing, the moment that they retire, there will be something in the piggy bank for them so that they've saved to look after themselves. Would a refundable tax credit help you, Karen? Um, I, I guess any help would be good. Uh, however, they don't speak to the sandwich generation, which I'm a part of. You know, when you look after your own child and you're looking after an elderly parent, well, my mom wasn't even elderly at the time, but, you know, they don't speak to that. And same as Sal, um, you know, my my mom worked and my dad worked, so clearly they had a great pension, but it all goes to her care. And then I have to work, so I never qualify. It's um, it's a convoluted c- calculation to qualify for this caregiver credit. And, and uh, it's a convoluted calculation, and I, I'm sure uh, that... It ends up coming out of, you know, some of, you know, the people put money out of their own pocket. That's right. To help with the caregiving is how expensive is it for you? Well, I have to hire a full time private caregiver because I have to work. And so that's a salary, a yearly salary. Plus, I'm now um, I have to do source deductions because now I'm an I'm an employer. So I've had to learn all of these things on my own for the last 19 years. So it's quite a bit of money. 
We know that the supports for home care are scarce, that people have to pay out of their own pocket to for additional care so that they can even go to work. And then there are those that have to quit their jobs because they can't afford to pay for home care or can't afford to put them into retirement care. So there are a huge host of problems that this tax credit, making it a refundable tax credit, you're right, Libby, it is modest, but there are very few benefits out there available to caregivers. And we have to remember, they save our health system some $25 billion, but at what cost to them? Physical, mental, emotional. The landscape for support for caregivers, as I said, is scarce. You have the caregiver tax credit, which is non-refundable at the moment. So if you don't earn income, you're ineligible for it. There's the family caregiver benefit, which is an EI program. You're eligible up to 15 weeks. Again, very small for someone whose mom is at home suffering from dementia. She can't be left at home alone ever. Then and you did they change that because the, if for a while that was only available when somebody's death was imminent. So the compassionate care benefit is yeah. for those whose death is imminent. It's up to 26 weeks. But then the other issue we run into is the fact that the employment standards vary from province to province to province. And there are a number of employers who would not necessarily guarantee your employment if you choose to take an extended period of leave in order to take care of a loved one. So we know that there is this issue. And there also seems to be sort of anecdotally sort of a discrepancy between the way that employers treat new parents versus the way that they treat people who choose to leave their work in order to care for a loved one. We need to change that dynamic. So and and how is it? different it's they they're a lot more accommodating with somebody who's going to take care of a newborn it's a given that you are you are eligible to receive up to 18 months of maternity leave and and job protection if you are a new mother i just went through this <laughs> it's not a guarantee if you're choosing to leave the workforce for to take care for a loved one that seems like that would be equally simple to change. That doesn't even cost it costs That's, money for employers, but not for... Uh, it's one of... Exactly. It would be unpaid. It's one of CARB's asks that we align those standards with our federal EI standards for each of these various EI programs. But remember, those that haven't paid into EI, those that aren't earning income, aren't eligible for these programs. So there aren't a lot of supports for people that aren't earning income. I'd like to interject because, um, you know, we're talking all about caregiver supports. And, you know, we've said that there's minimal and the Lynn does provide uh, some supports for PSW hours. And we keep saying it's for caregivers, but it actually really isn't for caregivers. It's for the person that has the illness. Sure. Like, so a PSW, as much as allegedly it's providing respite hours, but it's not really providing me respite hours because emotionally and physically they're not, they're not contributing to that. Like, I guess supports would be uh, maybe someone I can like counseling or something that would actually help me mentally to deal with caregiving. So I think, I think it's, we're, we're, we're not separating the two things. We're, we're making it seem like, oh yeah, these are, Oh, the government does provide partial supports, but it's to the person. So again, we're left out. The caregiver is always a second thought. Let's start with uh, a listen and a look for those of you who are following on the internet of the new CARP campaign on caregivers. There's no dental. There's no eyewear. It comes out of my pocket. You don't have uh, socialization. 
everything is uh, around the caregiving and you don't have a lot of supports either. Do I have enough supports from the government? Hell no. They make it really hard. Wow, so uh, that's a, a heartbreaking clip. Does not sound unusual to me, Marissa. Tell, tell us about your campaign. And that's just it, is it's not unusual. We hear stories like this all the time. That That one woman, Maria, she talked about having to buy adult diapers on the black market over Kijiji. She lives in the GTA. She says she's driven as far as uh, you know, Kaladin to buy 12 cases of diapers because they were cheaper through LetGo and Kijiji than they were at the local drugstore. These are real issues that she deals with on a daily basis and issues that caregivers, unpaid caregivers deal with daily. It's expensive to care for a loved one and there just aren't enough support. So we launched a campaign called Credit for Caregivers and we want to hear from every single one of our members and frankly, Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Tell us your stories. Join the fight so that we ensure that every single one of the candidates in this election make this an election issue. Okay. I'd like to make a quick pitch for my petition on change.org. It has collected 32,000 plus signatures across Canada. If you want to know horror stories and heartfelt stories of caregivers and the difficulties that they face across the board, you'll find them there on the site. There are, so Nova Scotia, for example, has a wonderful program. It's a, it's a, 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 like a, an allowance program that if you are a caregiver and depending on the eligibility criteria, you're eligible to receive up to $400 a month. Um, and that's like a, a small wage, but it's an allowance and it doesn't matter if you work or you don't work. I'd love to that's see Canada good. go the way of Nova Scotia or we've seen the UK or Australia offer different types of these types of programs. And I think Canada, our federal leaders need to take this very seriously and look at different models that would provide those types of supports for caregivers. And it's not just financial support. It's respite support. Caregivers need a break. Well, they need some help. Exactly. Exactly. There are some caregivers organizations uh, that can help with that. But again, that part of the issue is finding everything in one place mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and being able to access what actually is available because there are some things available. And Karen, before you go, we we have dealt with a number of caregiver organizations that can help you with that. So so uh, please check in with our producer, Zeev Hattie, and, and he'll give you that contact info. But, uh, you know, Marissa, what are you going to be doing throughout the election campaign. So we have chapters across the country and they'll be hosting all candidates, local candidates debates. This will be one of our core issues as we head into this election, calling on every single local candidate, asking them what they're going to do about the fight to support caregivers. Um, we have a number of uh, mini campaigns that we're rolling out. This is the first in a series of five or six. Um, but in the way, in, in terms of supporting caregivers, I mean, at a minimum, it's a minimum these candidates can do is promise to make this caregiver credit refundable credit so that those who have had to leave the workforce in order to care for that loved one are are compensated to some extent. Sal said in the beginning, you can't take away this problem. You can't fix it, but you can make it a little bit easier. And that's what we're looking for. That's what you're looking for. And any response from the politicians so far? The campaign launched today, so we'll have to wait to see. 
Um, but we're hopeful and, and optimistic because this touches so many people across the country. One in four over the age of 30 are caring for a loved one unpaid. One in three expect to in the future. Sal, what would you like to leave us with? I'd like to see a, a much more expanded definition of what a caregiver is, mm -hmm. because the spectrum is extremely wide. We're not just talking about looking after young people or old people, people who are very sick and dying. We're also talking about looking after young adults and even older adults and all kinds of supports that should be available to people who care for others. Okay. And Karen? I think they need to um, focus more on the fact that, and I'm just talking about one disease, which is dementia or Alzheimer's, that it you can get it early. You can get it at 30. You can get it at 40. It's going to affect a lot of families, and they're going to be in a sandwich generation predicament where they're going to be looking after their own children and looking after maybe their spouse or a, a parent. And there's no supports for that uh, demographic. So I don't know. And I can't believe like this is still happening. Like my, this was in 2000 that my mom was diagnosed. In 2019, we're no further ahead mm. with any supports. Um, a girlfriend of mine as well, she, her parent just got uh, diagnosed. And they don't even, from diagnosis, there's nothing like a, a cheat sheet maybe. Okay, you should, these are all your supports. This is what you should do. People call me to ask, well, what do I do? And I, I can't believe this is still going on. It's, it's almost two decades now. We need definitely need some kind of centralized place where people can, can know. But there are some organizations, I guess, that's the good news. And uh, Marissa, before we go, you uh, mentioned that there will be other campaigns. Can you give us a hint what the other issues are going to be? Oh, sure. Some of the, it's mostly the issues that have been laid out in our FACES platform, which we launched last fall. Um, so, for example, uh, uh, making uh, the OBSI, the Ombudsman, the Single Ombudsman for Banking Services. Um, that's one that we're looking at. Financial pension protection is a key one, is a core issue for CARP and for our members. Um, financial security as you head into retirement. Those are some of the types of issues we'll be pushing this election campaign. Okay. Thank you so much. And we will be checking back to see if uh, we get any traction from any of the political leaders on this very important issue. And thank you so much for sharing your personal stories, Salamenta and Karen Lead. And thanks a lot to Marissa Lennox from CARP. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.